0: Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, national multi-racial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Well, my guest today is Jocelyn King a Silicon Valley tech startup co-founder and executive, venture capital partner, angel investor, and career growth coach. I did that pretty well, but I'm not going to trust myself to remember all of her accomplishments, so I'm going to read an excerpt from Jocelyn's bio. Jocelyn is a top 10 startup co-founder chief growth and marketing officer, speaker, and author who helps women find security and fulfillment in their dream jobs. I like that. You know, that's admirable. I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to stick a pin in that, Jocelyn. You got it. (laughs) Jocelyn has a decade of experience in successful startup and fortune corporations, including Intel, where she ran the Global Demand Center. From being previously stuck in the director level for so many years to breaking through the glass ceiling and becoming a chief growth and marketing officer, and twice, twice named top 20 women to watch, Jocelyn coaches other business women to also become movers, shakers and glass ceiling breakers. Now, as if that wasn't impressive enough, Jocelyn King has been named one of top 10 women in cybersecurity by Cyber Defense Magazine. (sighs) I got all that out. I mean, I'm impressed if nobody else is, but I'm sure they must be. Welcome, Jocelyn, and thank you so much for joining me today and agreeing to Re-record your original podcast. We had some technical difficulties as happens. And Jocelyn very graciously agreed to uh, return to record another podcast. The reason I asked her to return was because our original discussion was just so chunk full of nuggets that I think people, men and women, and that's the other thing. Men, if you're listening, if it says it's only for women, you may want to listen too because there are things that you can learn. There's advice and experiences that women have, that men have, that, are, that can be useful to the opposite sex. So keep an open mind. And Jocelyn, again, thank you. Now, tell me about this movers, shakers, and glass ceiling breakers. I like that.
1: I'm happy to. And first of all, I just want to say thank you so much, Beverly. Thank you for all that you're doing to help women and men be more successful, live more successful lives. Thank you for your podcast. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for inviting me back. It's great to be here. I love our conversations. And I just want to say hello to everyone who's listening because it's my desire and I know it's Beverly's that you get some Nuggets to take away with that will help make your life more secure, more enjoyable, and more fulfilling. And I'm just so happy to be here. So, let me tell you so, movers, shakers, glass, ceiling breakers, you know, there is an impressiveness to all bios uh, that they're written for that. And, you know, and I did work hard to earn my achievements. But the backstory is I suffered from low self esteem, lack of confidence, trying to fit in. Uh, In Silicon Valley, I was a woman in management and leadership where I was very much a minority female. Like I'd be in a room of 40 leaders and I'd be the only woman in the room and things like that. And I had to learn how to overcome the fears and limitations that I was primarily putting on myself, but that were also, there are externals, but I put a lot of internal limitations on myself and I needed to learn how to overcome those. And I was stuck at director at um, three different companies for 10 years, and I could not figure out how to get, I I was not successful trying different things at getting to the VP position or to a chief officer position. And when I finally got there, I realized I'd gotten help along the way. I had learned what to do and what not to do. And I'm motivated by my life purpose of helping others, you know, achieve success and particularly helping people who, like myself, weren't born into, you know, a success route. They had to figure it out on their own and be kind of scrappy and learn how to get there. And so I wanted to take everything that I had learned of what to do and not do, bottle it up. And uh, make it available. So I started calling myself uh, it, once I got the chief officer title, and I put it on my LinkedIn profile and my bio. I was like, "Yes, I finally arrived." But after about three months, I was like, "Okay, I checked that box." And what I was more proud of was it, the term just came to me: mover, shaker, glass ceiling breaker. And I put that on all my social media under my name. Great. And then I created a movers, shakers, glass ceiling breakers program an eight-week program that I offer and the people can sign up for in small groups and it can get you from point A to point B to break through a glass ceiling. And part of that is external and part of it's internal. What I really help people do is take the lim- remove the limitations that the external world and predominantly their internal minds are placing on themselves so that they everybody can see the options that they really do have and all the ways that they can overcome their fears or inhibitions and get the self-confidence and the self-esteem that they want and need and are craving so that they can live their best lives.
0: But you've been, as Lin-Manuel Miranda says, in the room where it happens. (laughs) You've been in the room where Mm -hmm. decisions are made.
1: You've mm-hmm, a, I have been an yes.
0: executive. You've been mm-hmm. a C-suite executive. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of information and guidance that you can provide. You know, people mm-hmm. don't know what they don't know because oh, why? Because they're just not exposed to it. They mm-hmm. you know something. You think, you know, the way that business works, you know, how mm-hmm. to be successful, but you may be stepping into a quagmire that is pulling you down as opposed to you know propelling you upward and mm-hmm. people don't know and it may vary from business to business company to company you know executive mm-hmm. to executive you
1: know it's true i also do individual coaching and and it's interesting you say that cuz i was just on a coaching call yesterday afternoon with someone and I was talking about the fact that you know she was doing everything technically right. She was checking all the boxes and doing the order of operation, you know, to get a promotion and everything correct, but she wasn't getting any traction. And I likened it to, you know, make sure you're playing the right game. if you're playing football and everybody else is playing soccer, you're not going to get ahead, no matter how good you are. And a lot of times what you're talking about is so true. The subtleties of, What are the dynamics? I think, you know, I remember when I first became a manager in my 20s, I was so certain that, well, you know, if I were a manager, I'd run this company this way and I'd do this and that. And I was shocked, not just surprised, but shocked to find out that 80 to 90% of a manager's jobs are things that the employees don't even know about. Because a lot of what you're doing are the things that don't get aired. You have, you know, problems to solve. I mean, most of management is solving problems and you can have, when I was you know, an individual contributor, I didn't realize that some of my peers were actually problem employees. But when you become a manager and you're having to deal with them, I mean, I, I had to deal with employees who were literally stealing things from the company, you know, like, like you know, a How printer you and other things. You, you so have sexual people harassment people go on. You people. have, yeah, you have all these things happen. And of course, you can't speak about them. They're confidential, <laughs> but that's invisible you know, to you when you're an employee. So what I realized getting into management was what you think is going on isn't always what's going on. And to your point, Beverly, I mean, I, one of the things that I've been uh, very grateful to have is uh, I'm my background is in marketing and sales. I've managed PR teams at four companies in Silicon Valley, large and small startups all the way through, you know, a Fortune 100. And when you're in public relations, You're dealing with there's some crisis that happens and you have to be in the room where it happens with, you know, the CEO, the chief financial officer, general counsel, whoever is there solving what to do. And half of a public relations person job is keeping the company's name out of the media when something bad's happening in the industry. The other half is trying to to get the company's name into the media for all the right reasons of the products and the changes you're doing. So I, I did learn a lot, you know, by being behind the scenes. So that how things really work is part of what I like to help educate people on.
0: And, you know, I think people have an idea of what they think it takes to be successful mm-hmm. in their chosen field, whatever it is. And if some of it comes from the media, some of it comes from watching other people, but a lot of times they're just foundational I don't know. It foundational experience or knowledge mm-hmm. that forms the bedrock on which people should build. But if you're building on sand, <laughs> you're not. You're, mm-hmm. You don't have a strong foundation. You're not likely to be as successful as you would be if you had the building blocks, the knowledge, the foundational information that people like you can provide, and right. and people like me also. Because I've had a very eclectic employment journey. I've learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, people talk about millennials and what they expect. It happens with each generation. Each generation feels that he or she, you know, knows more than the previous generation and they've got all the answers. It was the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was coming up many, many moons ago. But they're opportunities that present themselves. And I'm hoping that we, people like you, people like uh, the other people I've interviewed, we can help people recognize opportunities or realize that there may be some information they need to acquire that will make them more productive and more successful.
1: I couldn't agree more. You know, I I part of my Mover Shakers program, I talk about and and i focus on women i work with men too in individual coaching but i tend to focus on women just because women and minorities are still trying to figure out how to get into the boardroom and you know and into the executive positions and there's more headwinds and so i tend to focus there but you know with the women i talk to it's like the whole premise is how do you become queen of your own chessboard because mm. on a chessboard the queen is the most powerful piece it, you know she can move forward backwards, sideways one or more spaces all the way to the end. She's the most powerful. And this is where I talked about our own limitations because Mm -hmm. most people, and myself included, coming at it like, how do I just do this next incremental step? And I didn't realize that there's how much power I had and how much power I could have. And you talked about seeing opportunities and I completely agree. And even more is creating the opportunities. So for example, you know, I'm working with someone now who was, she was frustrated because she had a she had her performance review and she had prepped an excellent argument for why she should get a promotion. And she didn't get it. And her boss even agreed with some of her points and she still didn't get it. But her issue was a timing one. You don't wait until your performance review discussion. Those decisions have been made. And when we talk about what you don't know, and, and it, it's human nature to think, okay, I've got my performance review conversation come up. I'm going to prepare for it. But what you have to do is get out of that and go, how does this company make those decisions? Because you're, you know, having been a, you know, I managed a team of 85 people globally. Those decisions get made months before you get your little piece of paper that tells you what your performance, you know, percentage of merit increase is going to be what your bonus is and a promotion. And even if you have the strongest argument in the world, you've missed your window of opportunity if you don't know that and what i encourage people to do is to take advantage of have of the conversations and meetings they have with their boss and if they're not having them regularly make sure they're doing it it's rare in any industry that an employee could you know ask to have a meeting with someone all the way up to the ceo i've had entry level people you know meet with the ceo of the company because i've coached them to do that And they just ask to get on the calendar. They ask to have, you know, because most companies, well, especially in tech, it's common to have, you know, uh, open door policies and office hours and things like that. But even in financial services and more conservative types of in banking and historical businesses, you can still do this. You may not get to the CEO, but you could get to an executive. You can at least get to a VP and you can work your way up. And most people don't take advantage of it. It's like having all these free benefits that you never take advantage of. And when you realize that you can own having conversations and asking questions, well how do decisions get made about this? For example, I was one of the first handful of insiders on uh, at my, you know, at a 2 billion dollar company I was at that we were getting acquired by Intel. The way that happened was I intentionally reached out to my senior vice president who was in charge of strategy for the whole company and was one of the top, you know, five people running the company had a one-on-one. And I said, you know, I love what I do. You know, I love my team, but I feel I could do it in my sleep. And I have an MBA that I went back and got. I have these business acumen and business strategy that I'm not really getting to apply. And I would really appreciate any opportunity to be involved in something that has to do with the long-term strategy of the company. And right then and there, and just by asking that, he said, right then and there, he said, all right, close the door. I'm going to make you an insider. He told me we were getting acquired by Intel. He said, I'm going to bring you in. I became part of the Intel strategic planning and negotiation committee. I got to be part of the vetting of you know, of all of our documents. I got to meet early. I was in those secret off-site meetings at the legal firms and the PR firms, and I got to do all this. I would have been brought in eventually, but I got to be one of the first handful of people and I got to see it all the way through the integration. And that only happened because I said, I'm looking for an opportunity to work on business strategy. So by my taking the initiative to get on his calendar, have a meeting, and tell him that I'm ha- I love my job. I'm happy with what I'm doing, but I'm looking for opportunity to be part of a special project. I got pulled in right then and there, and it's the opportunity to work on that project is also what you know got me to where I needed to be to become a co-founder of a startup company. Got me the experience I needed to become a uh, you know to become part of a VC company. All of these came off of that and it started from my initiative and that initiative came from, you know, having a coach who coached me and that's why I like to pass that on. There's more power in your own hands than you're aware of. And when you start, and most people know that there is an open door policy or they could meet with their boss or they could have this, but they don't know what to ask. And I think a lot of times, Beverly, it comes down to what your podcast is about is what are some baby steps that people can take To get them going the right direction down the path they want to be on, which is to have their dream job and their dream life.
0: And one of the things is how you approach it. You know, to your point, you didn't walk in and say, I want a promotion. You didn't walk in and say, I like my job, but there must be something else I can do because I'm bored. The way you present or articulate a proposal, a concern, an interest is important because it can contribute, and it does contribute, quite frankly, to how the person on the receiving end of the delivery accepts it and hears it. You want to present yourself in what you're looking for, what your objective is, in a manner that enables it to be well-received, and everyone doesn't do that.
1: Correct. That is spot on. And you know what? From the receiving end, when you're a leader, an executive in a company, I mean, I've been at companies with 110,000 employees and stuff. When somebody does this and gets on your calendar and asks intelligent questions and talks about wanting to help out, you know, like, what could I get more involved in? Is there a project going on? You stand out. If you want to be a standout, just the simple act of doing that is going to make you a standout because, you know, 99.95% of employee populations don't do that. So you already have established yourself ahead of the pack by doing that.
0: No, you're absolutely right. But having said that, you have to do it right. You have to do it in a fashion that's not overly aggressive, shows that you've given it some thought. And it's not just a knee-jerk reaction because you think it's time that you move up, that you have goals. What I recommend is trying to create a win-win situation. You're not just thinking about you. You're thinking about the company also. What can you do for the company? And what can the company do for you? And if you can create win-wins, I found myself in, in,
1: I haven't been disappointed, let's put it that way. (laughs) <laughs> That's well said. Well said. And you know, you, I think you're right. When I have these conversations with people, I think what stands out is that it's human nature to get into an either or way of thinking of this or that. So it's like, I'm either helping the company or I'm advancing myself. And to your point, and people know the term win-win and they know how to do it. What I find that sometimes is missing is people are like, I don't know how to create a win-win. So what I tell people is a good way to create a win-win is um, just draw three circles on a page that all overlap in the center. It's called a Venn diagram.
0: diagram.
1: It's a Venn diagram. And if people don't know what a Venn diagram is, V-E-N-N, you can look it up. But draw a Venn diagram in the top circle, write all your skills. Those are training you've had, education you've had, things you're good at. What Malcolm Gladwell would say is, where are your 10,000 hours of expertise? So what are you good at? Now, some of those things you may like doing and some of those things you may hate doing. You may cry at the thought of ever having to do them again, <laughs> but they're your skills and they're what you, the value, they're part of the value that you bring to the world and to a company. In the next circle, draw all the things you love to do. So, some people love working with others, talking to people, speaking on stage. Others, that's like, they run screaming from the room. They would rather be like, I want to work on spreadsheets on my computer and be left alone all day. I mean, so whatever, there's no right or wrong because there's needs for everybody. So when you know what you love doing, though, just capture those things that you love doing, interacting with people or not interacting with people, working on numbers or working with words or, you know, you'd rather, you know, you want to work on inventory or working, you know, on something operational or do you want to work on something creative You know, what are your interests? And maybe you're not even skilled in them yet, or you're not good at them yet because you haven't had a chance, but they're things you love to do. Write those down. And then in the third one, you're looking, what are the business needs in your industry or your company? And then what you're doing in the center where they overlap is looking at where do those three come together? So maybe like I had a skill, I I, I had gone to an executive MBA program while working. So I had. I had some good, you know, business acumen. I wanted to understand how to read a 10K and an annual report and be able to speak the language of the CFO and the finance organizational. So I had that as a skill. I didn't love that wasn't my first love, but that was what I, I had a skill in it. it. I loved storytelling and talking about the company brand and all of this and, you know, and coming up with what's the story behind why we're announcing what we're announcing or why we're doing what we're doing. And then it turned out the business need was that we were going through this major acquisition and all of our stakeholders, including employees, customers, business partners, everyone in the industry was going to be affected by it. And we needed to put together the story. So I got to work with the PR engine at Intel while I was still at this other company to craft the story on how that was working. So I got to bring my skills, the things I love to do. And solve a business need. And, you know, so that was, it was awesome. So you're looking for that sweet spot of where those three things can come together. And you're not going to find it on paper in a 30-minute exercise. But what you're going to do is you're going to realize that you need more data to fill into the business needs. And that starts the questions, you know, putting together a couple of questions that you want to ask when you start having these, you know, skip-level meetings or, you know, meetings with executives or VPs, or, you know, so in things like that. And when you make it clear that you're trying to understand what matters to the business and how the business is run, again, you're a standout. Right. And I'll tell you back to the Lynn Manuel Miranda thing in the room where it happens. What happens in that room is that executives are solving problems and they're busy, they're already triple booked, and they're trying to figure out which employees could they bring in to work on things. So when you say, I've got these skills and I'm interested in working on something, you know, special project, and I'm putting my hat into the ring, the person who's going to name your name is going the one who's going to be sitting in that room. And that's why you want to be having those meetings with those people so that when their problem arises, your opportunity arises at the same time.
0: No, you're absolutely right. We're running out of time, unfortunately. But what I want to do is give you the opportunity to talk about what you've been doing, whether you have books, some services that you offer, and if you could just give a couple of, you've already given advice, if you could give some parting advice to
1: our listeners. Absolutely. I'm happy to. So my advice would be, you want to be making sure that you have three options for your career growth at any given time. And if you don't feel you have those then here's my advice of how to do it. If you like your current company and employer, look for a promotional opportunity there. And if it's large enough and you really like your employer, look for two of your options there. But always have one on the outside. And the reason that's so important is it makes sure that you're keeping your network current and you're talking to people in your space about what's going on and you're using your LinkedIn connections if that's your business social media of choice, but you want to be maintaining your your connections and knowing what people are doing, know where positions are going to be opening. If you apply for a position that's already been posted, it's too late. You actually want to be there where they're, you're helping to define what the position is. They already want you in it before it's posted. You're not going to be one of the 200 people applying for a position that already has the ideal candidate identified. You want to be that ideal candidate before it's posted. And the way to do that is, by doing these exercises. And I have some other free resources on my website and people can come in and look at. It's jocelynking.com. And I do have my movers, shakers, glass ceiling breakers, resources, and program if people are interested. And I do one-on-one coaching. And I do have a book coming out uh, next year so you can sign up to get a notification on that. But I would love to offer the free resources. And I I do um, some periodic, you know, free, you know, events and little workshops online on Zoom that people can join. So feel free to come in, sign up, take advantage of the resources that are there now and sign up to get them as they come out. It's my desire to help everyone who wants to excel in their life and in their job be able to transform. And I'm happy to help in any way I can.
0: Jocelyn, thank you so much. This has been it's probably better, I think, than the first one. We had a good time the first time we spoke. This has just been like a free flow. You know, it's like I enjoy it so much because it seems like we're kindred spirits. We're on the same page and our objectives are mirror each other. And, and that's gratifying because, you know, there are times when I think I'm out here by myself. You know, nobody's paying attention and, you know, people are thinking that, You know, they should have a promotion after working at a company for six months, you know, and that's a true story. And when I heard that, I just shook my head. I said, you know what? It's not working like that, especially not now, if it ever did, but it sure isn't working like that now. So hopefully people are listening and they will appreciate the information and the insight that you have that you've provided. And I'm going to go to your website and see what's going on myself. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us again.
1: Thank you, Beverly. Thank you, everyone. And have a great day and a great rest of your week.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support. And that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.